Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. You've heard us kind of alluding to the fact that we feel like we're heading into a growth phase of business, life, (laughs) mentally, all of the things, right? And we were having a conversation just the other day about this and about growing and why do we feel like we're ready now versus when we weren't and what's different and what do we think we are going to need to shift in order to do it. And one of the things that came up is that we kind of realized we had perfected delegating tasks in our business that stabilize it, that maintain it, that make it do the thing that it's currently doing and not slip back, not fall back. What we haven't done and what we don't know how to do yet is how to delegate and hire for and plan and help other people grow the business. So we talked about the other day how you know, there were just a couple of years ago where it would be one of us would be out of the office or whatever. And we would know we would see a direct impact in our sales when the other person was gone, because we would be posting less on social or there would be less content, we wouldn't be able to launch because that person's gone. And so we would have to plan for that and like, just account for that. Well, then we grew out of that phase to be like, hey, I'm gonna bounce for a week. And it just like, literally doesn't matter. It does not impact sales of the business, which is fantastic. The next step of this is not just to be able to go on vacation and see the business grow, because that would be amazing, but be able to just not have to be one of the two brains that are making it grow. Yeah. And I I don't want to discount what our current team has done, but it's it's definitely different because for the most part to this point we've for sure initially hired and we've talked about this where we've hired people to just like take things off of our plate so we would have more time so we could think and we could we could be more of a visionary so that we could strategize more and that was fantastic 
And then we definitely started looking at how can we hire to have people bring in more of a return. And they have, but I think for the most part to this point, it's like they made enough to like cover their costs and like cover the the growth necessary to sustain that. So like we grew with the team, but it's not like continuing to grow at a at a quick pace. Like it yeah, is definitely growing. Who like comes to a meeting or does a meeting that's like, if we do this, it's going to equal X, Y, Z, or have we thought there's brainstorming that happens. Sure. There's not like a designated, but like, again, we are in that brainstorming or we're leading that brainstorming. And I think we are trying to see what could it look like if that, if we're not leading every brainstorm, if we're not pulling those ideas out of our team members, if we're not involved in that process at all for some things. Right. It's not that we don't want to like lose touch with where the business is going or that we don't want to impact it. For sure not. But uh, there's a point where Emily and I have a ton of skills around certain things. And I think those, our zone of genius is really around impacting our students right? We can help our students build a business to fit the lifestyle that they're looking for. That is our zone of genius. Our zone of genius is not scaling a multi-million dollar business. Like (laughs) I've never done that before. And so trying to figure out all the things that we don't know and then learn enough to like keep all of that going and then hire strategically. Like it's, we are constantly, and Emily has talked about it with me several times. We're like, just the sheer volume of things we've had to learn. I was just going to talk about that some more. Yeah. Even on like a, like weekly. (laughs) Weekly. I mean, and, and I think this is part of the the mental game, right? Where we start our businesses and we're the head of every department. So you know a little bit about everything that your business needs to do to run. And then you outsource a couple of things that are not your zone of genius. Maybe it's bookkeeping, accounting, billing, like literally whatever, right? Okay. But then like <laughs> the skill set that we as individuals require of ourselves at every stage and phase of business is astronomical. And I think it's really interesting, the conversation that I feel like is being had in a lot of spaces. And I've seen it pop up just specifically about social media recently, but the overarching conversation of if you hire for this, or if you outsource this, does that somehow mean you're either less authentic less than the actual business owner, if you're less than the face of the company. And I really like, I think that those are really dangerous ways of thinking about your role in your company. And there are different, like there are people listening here who are like, Ooh, I don't even call it a company. It's my small business. That's great. Like, I'm not saying everyone needs to treat it like a company, But I do feel like there's way more people than you like are kind of giving yourself credit for who are heading into the more like big girl pants business status. And you're being your own block because you think you still have to be the zone of genius for all of those departments. 
Right. I've even watched some of our students, like, they grow so quickly that, like, they end up slowing themselves down. Well, that, I mean, that's what we've done. For 100%. 100%. And I know, I know we have slowed ourselves down for a whole host of reasons. Guys, like, I think... I think you guys, and I would have ventured to guess there's a big portion of our audience that just doesn't even know, but you adopting Penelope was like a major shift for the business. And then simultaneously me recovering from a traumatic brain injury, we do not give ourselves credit for like how much we had to adapt and change to like survive that season. I'm not saying like becoming a mother is, is harmful in any way. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing, but it it definitely had to change how we approach business and how we want to grow and how much time we want to put into things and how much we were capable of doing on our own. And then, like, it was just, like, one thing after another. Like, life continues to happen around your business, right? We don't necessarily feed into or talk about all the things that are happening behind the scenes. But trust me, they are consistent and they are often and they are loud and they can be extremely distracting. But that doesn't mean if you have enough of the right things in place that it can't grow without you. And I think for a long time... Perhaps Emily and I thought we had to always be the strategy. Did you think that? I didn't necessarily think we had to. This is part of it. But I honestly do not think until very recently that my brain could even comprehend that someone else who didn't create the product, who didn't create the brand could come in with actual strategy to see it grow. I think for the longest time, like it wasn't until very recently that I have, I feel like now fully detached myself from our brand on our products and the results that we get and whatever. So I can see it from the outside instead of being seeing as the person who created it. The shop definitely helped that process And so it wasn't until then where I had to kind of like peel off that layer of like responsibility for every single thing that we put out the door that I could then visualize, okay, what would it look like to have someone come to the table and own a piece of the growth, like that that their ideas helped that thing happen. It's crazy to think that like, and I'll keep going back to this where it's going to be annoying, but it's like where we expect ourselves to be the, the same person, right? Even if you change like mentally and you learn and you grow, you're still the same person who takes your business from zero to six figures, from six figures to half a million, from half a million to a million and a million plus. Like it's not that you can't go along that journey of your business if that's something you want to do. But like the fact that we think that it's our brains and only our brains that are going to get us through all of those phases is ridiculous. Yeah, especially when you start looking at like how many people are are even doing that. Right. Like not so, a lot. You know, I'm a big fan of Rachel Rogers and her book, We Should All Be Millionaires. And if you haven't got a copy, like where have you been? <laughs> like please go to bossproject.com. I've read in like five years. Bossproject.com slash millionaire. Grab your copy. Like this is necessary for your life. But you know, in that book, she talks about what percentage of 
women-owned businesses are at that stage. And it's like 4% are half a million or more. Only 2% are a million or more. And it's like, we don't give ourselves enough credit for like the work we have done to this point is astronomical. And like, I'm not discounting anyone else or the work they have done, but I don't, I more often than not do not give myself enough credit for the business we have built. And I want to help other women build their own empire and their own business that and serves empire, their when life. We say, I just caveat empire of whatever that means to you. Yes. Like I, you do not need to take over the world and do book tours and have products and have your face everywhere no. for it to be an empire. Like whatever that means to you is you what can I'm saying. You little for. roost. Right. Girl, like if you're, and that's the difference. Like, so while, and it's weird because I think Emily and I seek mentors based on what we need to grow. But you guys, you're going to need different mentors. Like, I'm hoping we can be your mentors. I'm hoping we can help you get to the next level. But understand us going after some of these things doesn't necessarily mean you need to be there too. But we do want to share as we grow that we still have challenges, that we still have blocks, that we still have things that slow us down, that confuse us, or that prevent us from moving forward. And I think right now it's, it's okay. If we don't know all the things, what, how can we bring someone in that not just, not just that has strategy, but someone who actually has experience right. doing those well, things. And here's the takeaway for y'all. You don't have to wait until you've built a business to the size that we have for you to invest in growth in someone else for helping you grow like that. That was a, I don't want to call it a mistake because we weren't ready, but that was a, a potentially missed opportunity for us. This could have been a role we could have hired for two years ago, three years ago, and we just didn't. And so there is no like, oh, well, once you reach here, now you can get all the, fuck that. If you want help with growth today, explore that. What could that look like? Right. And what are, what are you missing? Where, where are where are you lacking? And it's, and I think sometimes we get caught up in this and like, well, if I don't know this thing, then I need to learn this thing. Sometimes that is true. Sometimes you do need to learn the thing and learn enough to be dangerous and like get through it. But there are seasons in which it is no longer an asset for you to know. And I struggled with that. Like, the last, I, we're approaching two years at this point where this has been true, but I would say the last two years, Emily and I know less and less about what the other person does on a day-to-day basis. Not that I like don't know what she's working on. I'm like, don't be naive that like we're, it's not like we're operating totally differently. But before, quite... <laughs> This sounds so ridiculous, but literally this is how we started our business. We'd call each other at like 8 a.m. when the boys walked out the door to go to work. And we would be on the phone for eight to nine hours. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. On speakerphone, just sitting on, there. On speakerphone, it would sit there. Sometimes it was Zoom, but usually not. Yeah, it was Google just Hangout. Like, Zoom didn't even. Oh, yeah. didn't even exist. Guys, we existed before Zoom. What the fuck? Anyway, um, so it would just be there. And then we'd be like, okay, what do we need to work on? 
And then we talk to each other about it. Then we start working and like literally would leave each other on speakerphone while we worked. Because if one of us had a question, we would interrupt the other person and say, hey, can you look at this or can I talk to you about this? And the other person would be like, yeah, let's talk about that. Imagine what that does to your productivity. (laughs) Okay. But at the time, I know it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I do think it really helped us connect and understand how the other person works. No, I, I wouldn't take it back no. for the world, but it sounds absolutely ridiculous. It ridiculous, but like we have said to each other and on here before of like, we don't recommend anyone go into a partnership, but ours is great and perfect and amazing. Like, cause it was a rarity, but we, th- I think it, it helped lay the foundation of like us understanding how the other person asks questions, what the other person needs, how the other person talks and like lot, like how their literal brain works. Cause one of the biggest, biggest complimentary things that we have is we, I know how your brain works and you know how my brain works. And so I can be talking out loud or say something or give direction or say anything and you know what it means and vice versa. And I think it was, the, you know, first year of being on the phone for 40 hours a week helped. But like, you have to understand that at the time, like we were working, we worked in different states and it was the closest thing we could get to like co-working, co-working mm-hmm. and like working in the same environment. So we just tried to create that virtually, which I think it'll be interesting. This is like a total side note, but it'll be so interesting as more and more businesses work more remote, how they create that culture of like knowing how other people operate, because that's a hard thing to understand unless you're like in the same space as someone. But all of that to say, I think moving forward, we're trying to figure out what's the like level of Like, how involved do we want someone to be? What part of the, like, ownership, not necessarily, like, owning the business at all. Like, you can hire people and they don't have to have a stake in your company to have someone focus on growth. But, like, what pillars or verticals in our business are they focused on? Because previously, when you looked at something like this, I think sometimes you look at it with such a macro lens of like, well, my whole business needs to grow and I need help in all of these areas. But as you grow, I think it's served us really well having people really specialized in an area. And while I would love to say someone who's just like, And I know people that have freaking hired a director of growth. Like they literally just hire a director of growth and they're focused on growing the whole business. I don't think that's what our business needs. Because Emily and I are both thinking about how to grow the whole business all the time. I need someone who's dedicated to. I went to micro directors of growth for two different products. That's what I want. So let's talk a little bit about some just terminology that we've been tossing around of who these people could be and what maybe you guys could look for. So like when I say we delegated and we outsourced sustainability, who are those hires? What does that look like? So, well, our very first hire ever was for copy editing. That helped 
the content portion of our business get out better, faster, stronger content. That was when we were blogging five days a week. And then we hired someone to take over our inbox and customer service. And then it's just for, I'm not going to go in order, but it's just for like micro positions that have kind of evolved, right? There's someone for editing or kind of taking our podcast episodes and getting them to the editing team, uploading them to our website. Same thing with blogs, brought on a copywriter, kind of like general VA. We morphed some roles into more project management. We have a big director for the shop, creative director for the shop, just doers, a lot of doers, people who take the to-do list or the delegation of the project, and then they do it. I think we started kind of thinking about this position, but we didn't really have the terminology last year when we we really wanted to take someone who had already worked with us and shift her kind of into this role. It didn't work out for various reasons, but it was like her personality and her brains, I think is what started us thinking Ooh, this could be nice. Right. And so initially, you know, I think a lot of people start with this thinking, I need an ops manager. And I'm not saying operations isn't important because they can definitely like delegate tasks, make sure things are assigned, whatever. I've, I think for us having someone that's more project management, like, takes a plan and then, and they're still mapping it out and they're still managing the team, but it's not quite as at a high level. I don't think we necessarily at this point need that position that's super high level ops because I think that's the kind of position though, that maybe we were talking about in our last profit report where you were talking about how sometimes, you know, it stresses you out on deciding what to gamble on Facebook ads to me. And I don't know if operations manager is the right word for that, but like having someone that sees the bigger picture of how all of the pieces work together and potentially making big decisions like that, that's eventually like an overarching role I would love to see. Yeah, but I don't know if that's operation. No, I See, yeah. this, is, this is where it gets kind of hairy because then you're 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 getting into corporate structure territory and it's like our business while we do have some hierarchy and reporting and stuff, for the most part our business is fairly flat like in terms of structure. We definitely have some reporting up, but Emily and I are not hesitant at this point to be in the weekly meetings, to be talking about the vision and the moving forward. I think long-term that doesn't make sense because we're going to slow that process down. But for now, our team all knows each other. And so while we have someone project managing, our team is so used to working with the other people on our team. They will cross um, departments and ask for what they need when they need it. And so I think that's helpful because we're, we're still a small business guys. We're not talking tons of people here. Like these people all know each other. They all follow each other on social media. They know well, who technically we're the only two employees. And so like, right. Yeah. What is this? Is it 30 employees makes you a, like a medium sized business? How many, I'm going to Google it. Cause it's going to bother me. How many employees? Cause I don't know if it's based on revenue or based on, I think it's based employees. on number of employees. 
Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. We're definitely still considered small. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know we are. Okay, so according to the U.S. Small Business Administration, they count companies with as much as $35.5 million in sales and 1,500 employees as small business. So, you know, we'll be small forever. <laughs> but that's the crazy part to me. Like, because... If you look at some of the stats that Rachel Rogers has shared, and I know she's done a lot of digging and stuff, 
But like with 76% of women-owned businesses making less than 50 grand a year, like this percentage, like, and even just the number, like if we literally just looked at the number of businesses that are doing that volume of business, very, very few are started by women. Right. And this article is saying that I mean, some people consider the standard definition of a small business includes operations with up to seven million in revenue or five hundred employees, depending on the industry. But the actual threshold for the Small Business Association is that thirty-five point five million in employees up to fifteen hundred. That to me is not a small business. Maybe there's no, a micro business. I don't. I what's smaller I don't know. than a small business? <laughs> because. The thing is, I know very few people that have any interest in even hiring employees. Right. Yeah, this one is a micro business if you employ uh, less than six people. But the majority of people, the majority of women-owned business, they don't have employees outside of themselves. Like, they are the employee. They have contractors. They have help. But the majority don't end up hiring employees. And I'm not saying that like the secret sauce is getting an employee, but oh my gosh, I could go on like a whole tangent on this whole bit. Like that's just, I think there's a lot to unravel there. (laughs) But in terms of what we're looking at for growth. Okay, hold on. One more stat I want to share with you in this conversation and then go to growth. So the Small Business Administration defines micro-businesses as those that have one to nine employees. Okay, but Vermont specifically. So now we're getting into like micro-businesses and the definition that like varies state by state because it does impact like taxes or like grants you could get or whatever. Vermont defines micro-business as one that employs fewer than five people. Okay, I get that. You ready for this next piece of definition? And, and generates less than 25000 in annual revenue. Okay. Anyone who could employ five people can't have no. that level of business. No. And this is just irritating to me in general because, okay, so one of the things that I have realized the bigger our business has gotten is just how dramatically different revenue can look dependent on industry. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're making more or less based on revenue. Because like, for instance, if you're a realtor right now, real it, realtors be cray for the person. <laughs> for <sure. laughs> so my cousin agent, we can talk about it. <laughs> but like, oh, we, the thing with that is, okay, I know the like you could get into the stats of like how many houses the average agent sells or whatever, but when you're looking at selling one product that's like hundreds of thousands, but you're like percent that you actually earn is only what is it six like, percent? I don't know what the average high, is. Well, it, here you could do eight, six, or four depending on okay the deal you want to. But do. like. But do you understand? I think what I want people to look at is like, you could have people being like, I'm a seven figure business owner, and they sold four houses. Like, and I'm not saying that makes them less of a business owner. But I just want you to understand generating four sales on a home is completely different 
than having tens of thousands of students. Well, and it's the same, like more applicable to this industry. It's why the conversation of when you're working with clients versus selling digital products, you could have high-end five-figure clients and work with 10 of them a year and make a shit ton or need to sell 10,000 plus products a year, you know, depending on your price. Right. Right. No, for sure. And that's just an example of like, Often that these numbers, especially when you're looking at revenue, just get so wonky and are just not a good representation of the health of a business, period. Like they're just not. The number of students or clients or or customers or whatever, however you want to look at that, that also doesn't represent. Because like Emily just said, you could be perfectly fine with 10 to 12 clients a year. Whereas if we had 10 to 12 clients, we wouldn't have a team. Like, And so it, it's all relative. But looking at what's next for us, I think there and part of it is hard because there's trends like everything in this world that we live in. When I say world, I mean, like literally like our niche, like is not a huge bubble. Okay. And so like when one term kind of starts to get thrown around, I feel like it's all someone talks about. And so for a hot minute, it was ops manager and we definitely got distracted by it, but it was like, we figured out what worked for us, what our team needed. And it definitely helped us up level. I don't necessarily feel like the thing that we're looking for has been tossed around as like the thing you need, but I've just heard enough people talk about it that I was like, I don't know why I haven't thought of this before, or I didn't know why I didn't like think of it as an option. And that's looking at program directors. So in our industry, that would be the equivalent of like owning a product. Like they're owning the growth around our signature program. Yeah, and when we say owning, we mean like taking responsibility. Yes, 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 yes. Like not equity, but just like they're, they're thinking about customer or client experience, they're thinking about how the program is affecting results for these people, but they're also thinking about growth and sales. And now I do think there's going to be some people that come into a role like that, and they're going to be better on the client experience side. And then some people are going to be way better on the like sales growth side. And I have seen people like divide this in two where they have someone who is focused on sales and who is focused on they might call it a community manager or something like that. But I think it could be really interesting. Yeah. Well, cause I think it opens up some new doors for us where there have been, <laughs> this is going to just sound funny, but there have been a lot of things selling wise, marketing wise, quote unquote off the table for us. Cause we just literally do not want to do them. We don't like them for us. We're not good at it. It's just not something we want to learn and do, et cetera. But we don't disagree with the methodology and we don't disagree that that strategy can work. And so if someone else comes in and is like this and then this and that is what's going to up-level this program, great. You have someone who wants to do that, implement it. Let's see how it works. But it's not going to be us. (laughs) Right. And that's okay. I I think it's hard to have someone come in who wants to like shake things up because you have to really be mindful. I've seen people be burned really quickly by bringing in the wrong person who they like, like do it this way. And if it doesn't feel an alignment, 
they like give up too much power too much not even responsibility i really think they just like give blind trust and so there has to be a balance of when someone's new to your team how are you how are you involved initially and what does that look like long term and the cool part is if you bring in the right people like theoretically someone is going to understand your culture and your values and your right i think that your business operates that's when it's important to know those things first because there are some strategies that like we will literally just never use in our business because we don't like them. We don't agree with them or we don't like how they make people feel or us feel or whatever, even if it's not us doing it. And so you have to have someone who's on board with like the morality of how your company wants to run and the things you're willing to say yes and no to within your own clients and customers. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, no qualms about how other people run their business at sure. all. But there has been some things where I see people do it and I'm like, nope, nope. And, it, and it's not, it's not that I don't, I look down upon no. them for doing it no. at all. But for me, I'm just like, there's something within me. And sometimes, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, okay, is this an actual like concern, a morality thing or a, um, a values thing or is it just that I'm scared of it because there's definitely you have to like differentiate yeah, the two for sure both but then there's some things that are like kind of halfway in between and you're like this makes me uncomfortable but is it because I'm scared right and I can be convinced maybe yeah yeah and I don't know the answer like we will continue to like assess the interesting thing is by the time this comes out we may already be like in the midst of hiring <laughs> let's hope I'm excited and nervous. I used to get nervous about everything. (laughs) But I think Emily will back me up on this. That like I have like really chilled out in terms of like how the business operates. I'm way less uptight about things. I'm way less nervous about decisions we're making. And I think part of it is just like an understanding. Like I had to learn a lot about what it took for a business to do the things we're talking about. Like I had to learn how cash flow worked. I had to understand what a PL was. I had to understand taxes and and what it costs to do XYZ thing. I had to learn so much. And so I think for a long time my nerves came from like a lack of understanding. And I'm still in the midst of learning and trying to figure out all the pieces. And now I think my nerves are a bit more healthy. Like it's from a place of, I know what we've built. I don't want to go backwards. And so like, how can we like make safe, just safe is relative, obviously, but like, how can we make decisions that are for the good of the company? And you also have to get to a point, regardless of how big you want your business to be or how you want it to serve your life, you do have to get to the point where you're willing to look at the lens of what is for the good of the company and not just for you. Because I think for a long time, and maybe to our own detriment sometimes, we're like, eh, I don't really want to work that day of the week. <laughs> and then we probably needed to do stuff or like things, but like it just worked past it and like worked around it. We definitely, don't get me wrong, even though we take tons of time off and like really focus on family first and all of those things. When we're in the office, we're getting shit done. And when we're 
going to meetings, like it's not a meeting for the sake of a meeting. Like we're delegating, we're getting stuff out the door. We're thinking about the next steps. Like we are very intentional with our time. I don't know. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited for a phase where we're focused on profit and purpose and growth and hiring for growth. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to update you guys on on all of this. So stay tuned. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.